Welcome to the Know Your Audience podcast, meaningful conversations about what it takes to create engaging content from the people who are shaping the future of media. This podcast is powered by Kaya. Kaya is an audience insights platform built by publishers for publishers. The platform is designed to help you better understand your audience, track and increase engagement, and deliver a more targeted product. My name is Jenna Matecki, and I'm your host. Our next episode features Yinka Adegoke, the Africa editor for Quartz, a global, digital-only business news publication. Listen to what Yinka had to say about shaping the coverage of an entire continent of economies, what makes his team of journalists exceptional, and why traveling and experiencing a place firsthand gets you a better story. My name's Yinka Adiguke. I'm the Africa editor for Quartz, a digital business outlet uh, that has global coverage. And my particular role is to develop our Quartz Africa coverage, um, covering innovation across the continent. We see innovation as um, a lens through which to cover Africa to uh, cover everything from politics to to economics, uh, to culture, and broadly speaking, business. What do you love about what you do? Uh, Several things. The thing I I love most about what I do is the variety of the topics. There are 54 countries on the continent. Um, There is no end of drama. There is no end of excitement. There is no end of of challenge for some of these countries. The stories are fascinating because they, they, they're an insight into, you, you forget, often you often forget uh, how young some of the countries actually are and um, that some of the challenges that they face are just about where they are in their stage of national development and not just about um, technology or anything like that. It really is just about countries that are still finding their way. And 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 then the, the kind of conflict there is for some of these countries in the sense that they can see the development in the rest of the world and they can see it really much easier now. That's kind of where we are with Quartz. We, we look a lot at um, the kind of stories that... Uh, show how in many of these countries on the continent, they can see, we just had the story this week of Netflix launching and and rolling out across the continent. And people are excited about having Netflix just as much as anybody is here in the States. But then there's the context of bad connections and expensive internet access and that kind of thing. And those kind of stories and those kind of challenges are what you know makes my job sort of fascinating. Can you describe the process by which you put out stories under Courts Africa? So, you know, your team your team of journalists, they go out, they find a story, they say, Hey, what do you think of this? And, you know, do they are there pitch meetings? What's the day to day process? Um, I have uh, a few reporters. I have a very small team and uh, reporters on the ground in um, Nairobi, Dar es Salaam, uh, Lagos, uh, South Africa. And 
we we work over Slack, and um, the whole Quartz team works over Slack, and it's incredibly uh, important for for my team because I I spend half the year in New York, and um, what that means is I'm talking to most of the team most of the time on on Slack, and we we have a our channel our Quartz Africa channel where we discuss the stories uh, that are breaking. Sometimes, because of the time difference, if a big news story happens, um, I, I'm thinking about something like the Burkina Faso attacks that happened the other day. Um, you know, we whoever's on will jump on that story right away. You know, I don't need to be consulted about that. But a lot of what we do at Quartz is about developing uh, original ideas around the the the, the things that are happening uh, on the continent. So we discuss those pretty much every every morning or mid midday their time, uh, morning for me. So uh, and we kind of work out what the stories will be and what the angles should be, like just like any other normal process. But it's all happening over Slack, which <laughs> kind of you know it's kind of it's it, it's funny because I. I, I don't think we could have done it this way pre-internet. You know, you would have had to just send someone out to the field and just wait till you hear from them. <laughs> <laughs> like now, if someone doesn't respond to me in about 10 minutes, I'm like, wait, what's going on? What, you know, well, you're I, a very you, digital first outlet. Right, so we it, absolutely it, are. It yeah. does, it, it's, it's good to know that you are carrying those practices throughout <laughs> the newsroom as well. <laughs> With your team, when, when, when someone... You know, sends you a draft of a story. What what are you looking for? Like, what what makes that story good? And I know that that's broad, but to make it more specific, no, like, what are what are the elements of a good story? I, I think that's a completely fair question. I, I we also use a lot of freelancers, so I think so. I have to have this conversation fairly all the time. Uh, yeah, all the time. <laughs> so actually. if you could have it one more time, with <laughs> <you>. <laughs> um, I, there are a few a few elements. I mean, the quartz has a very, and this is not an Africa specific thing. This is definitely a quartz. Um, kind of approach to business storytelling and and just storytelling in general. We we have what we call there are a few elements. I'll, I'll start off with what what we call the quartz curve, which is kind of like a, a U on a on a on an X and Y uh, axis, and it's a measurement of. Um, and this isn't very good on audio, but <laughs> uh, but it, it, it's it's um, it's it's just it shows the relationship between readership and and traffic and and ultimately what has been found time and time again and this was in the early days of course and it still applies now uh is you know stories below 500 words do really well for quotes so we always find a way to drill down the story to what are the elements that people reading this story on their mobile phone on their you know mobile device or wherever will find the most interesting. But like I said, it's, it's you. So it, it goes up on the other side when we do much longer stories. Like when we do the research, we've done a long investigation and some research and original uh, reporting to go with it. Um, and then, you know, we might go to 1,500 words or longer. And those stories get really well read because we're rewarding the, the reader for their time, hmm. right, with something that they can't get anywhere else. And if we're doing the the sort of the shorter story, the quick hit, 
which is, you know, like you say, breaking news or, you know, a piece of information that's out there, but we've got our quick take on it and our original take on it. We tend to f try and keep those stories under 500 words because, I mean, I, I spent a lot of my career at, uh, at places like Reuters where um, it's a different format. It's not, it's not the pure digital. It was designed, a lot of the stuff was done with newspapers in mind with the idea that the story will go from Reuters and be placed in a newspaper in the UK or somewhere else. Um, and, you know, those stories tend to be like six, seven hundred, eight hundred words um, because you do the lead and then you do the sort of you know, log graph and then you would do this long sort of thing on the background to why we got to where we got to. And, you know, we don't do that, of course. We get right into it and... Um, that um, has proved very successful over the years. And now the other, the other element to it, which is really, really important for uh, core stories is uh, we, we really work over the headlines. There's a real kind of um, obsession at Quartz where we discuss headlines to see what works. Because uh, you, if, you, if you read Quartz stories, you might notice that our headlines are also our tweets. We, we tweet our stories out directly with, it, with, with those headlines. Um, and that's the idea that th this headline, is it shareable? Will people want to click on this story? Will they want to read this story? Um, is there, can we spark enough curiosity? But is it also smart? You know, because we're not doing clickbait here. We're, we're trying to get people to think about something, some big issue. Because if you think about the kind of topics we cover in the main, they're not the kind of things you can just do a lot of quick clickbait right. stuff with no, you know, the kind of people who read these topics are not the kind of people who will, um, uh, at least they won't go for clickbait on this particular type of topic, <laughs> right? They we might do not, right? yeah, yeah, they might do clickbait <laughs> on other things, but not, you know, when you're writing about, you know, the whether the Fed is going to raise interest rates or not, or you know, that kind of thing. Exactly. Um, uh, you need to have a smart way to get people curious and, and interested in clicking on your story. Who's the reader that you're writing for? Um, the reader, whoever, the quartz reader, and again, it's something that we think about a lot, is um, I, we, we describe him as a kind of a, him, her, as a, as a global executive, someone who's not necessarily an executive, but a, a global thinker. Um, we tend to use executive, I guess, for people who think about selling ads or something, but if you're thinking purely about uh, editorial, you are trying to think about, you know, the future managers, the, the people who are going to be leading organizations in a few years from now, um, who, are, who are probably, who are headed for the C-suite, as they say. Um, but what that means doesn't just mean business stories. It means that we, like, for instance, we place a lot of emphasis. We have a lot of stories about um, diversity in the workplace particularly uh, in terms of gender equality. That's kind of like something we do a lot of stories on, a lot of great stuff on. Because frankly, the, you, know, you know that the management... It's needed. Yeah, it's needed <laughs> and management is changing. And, um, and also about, you know, things about being a parent, being a parent, a working parent. Lots of issues around that the economic side of it and the psychological side of it that you know we do a lot of those types of stories as well because they kind of fit in with that same person who's interested in who's flying around the world trying to run their business trying to 
meet targets and all that kind of stuff because they're trying to figure out how am I doing this? How am I, how am I going to be in Dubai and London and also be a good parent and make sure that my kid is eating right? right, <laughs> you know? right. All these things are connected. It's the same person, right? They're, they're very, they seem like really different topics, but it's the same. We see the traffic when we get you know get that that mix right um it's the same people who read the business stories and the economic stories are also going to find this kind of thing important to them is it fair to say that it's a content mix but everything is through the court's lens or perspective yeah i think i think that's that's a fantastic way to think about it yeah absolutely because we're we what we say internally we we have a, we have this phrase where we say it's, it's something really quartzy, right? And, and it's, it's that point. It's, it's like, okay, we can do a news story like everyone else, and we do some breaking news and what have you, but can we find a quartzy angle on it? Something to really drill down that we think that executive or that, you know, mom or teacher or whoever reads quartz will find interesting because they have that same worldview, they have that same broad world worldview where it's not just about their immediate environs, it's their thinking, they're seeing the big picture. Hmm. You're an active consumer of news, just given your position. <laughs> and I know that that's yeah, an assumption. Yeah. You know, usually when you're yeah, asking questions you don't make assumptions, but I would I would assume yeah. that, that might, in case you're my an boss is listening, yes. As an active consumer yeah. of news, yes. nowadays, especially with everything being digital first, there's a lot of similarities between publications. You might have a, a broader content mix when traditionally an outlet may only be a news outlet or a business outlet, you know, business first outlet, mm -hmm. per se. Um, what, what are demonstrable differences that you see between publications nowadays when everyone's trying to achieve the same thing, which is high traffic, high mm -hmm. coverage, lots of lots of people flocking to their stories. Like what, what makes a publication different from another? Yeah, that that's that's certainly a um a difficult one, but also one that it's also a question that one thinks about that if you do what I do, that we all think about um a lot. Um, I think uh, as we go along, um, places like Quartz in particular are trying, as we said from day one, um, this is before I joined, the, but this is the scripture from day one, um, positions itself as the economist for the 21st century. Right? If the economist is starting today, how will it start? It wouldn't, you know, launch a magazine. It'll probably you know, try and be um, uh, a multi-platform brand. Um, and I think what happened, what's, what's happening is everyone, uh, lots of places are trying to make, position themselves to be in one of these leagues, right? Are we going to be the, the New York Times for the 21st century? Are we going to be the... Wall Street Journal, Financial Times for the you know this is this is what's happening with with the New York Times is thinking well we are we going to be the New York Times for the you know so everyone's trying to figure you know we're all kind of drawing these kind of whether we say it's 
whether we verbalize it, like quotes verbalized it and set it up. But effectively, that's what everyone's trying to do because it always, no matter how much things change, they do stay the same. You know, um, there will be a shakeout. There will be a few. A lot of the people who are here now might not be around, at least not in their current form in a few in a few years' time. Um, and um, yeah, I think that's where we're going. We're, we're going to a place where everyone just tries to figure out how to position themselves um, and see if they'll be around in a few years' time, <laughs> basically, as the new version of the old thing. You know, transition. Yeah, we're in a transition period. Yeah. Hmm. Can you talk about your team? And specifically, the journalists that you see are the most successful. There's, there's always this archetype of the plucky journalist that's going out there and you know yeah. thinking differently and getting the story. But nowadays, especially, I'm sure you're you're editing many, many words per week. Yeah. Um, what's the difference between those stories and the people that are writing those? I'm lucky. I have a great team uh, with with smart people. Typically, Quartz is very good at finding smart people and pleasant people to work with. Um, and it's interesting because people are, there, are there, is, there is no one type of journalist. Um, okay, there are different groups, type, group types of journalists, but they're, they're, there isn't any one traditional type. I think the, the type that is in folklore or what have you is, you know, I don't know, it's probably or the president's men or something, or whatever it is that's kind of created this kind of particular one, particular image, but actually there are several types and, and there are people uh, on my team or on the broader quartz team, I should say, who are great at seeing the same story you and I see and just finding that little nugget in it and then making something really pretty amazing out of it. And, and because, and either that's because they have broad experience in some other specialist area or they just they're just good at that right they're just good with the headlines and with thinking about angles on things that you hadn't even considered and the same thing that we all we all saw um do you have an example of that we we had um well a good example we had a, a an exhibition someone told me about an exhibition um, of um, Chinese buildings in Africa, like you know, some of these projects that um, the Chinese government or Chinese companies, backed by the Chinese government, <laughs> had uh, built in various cities across Africa. And my colleague, the reporter on the team in Nairobi, Lily Kuo, she had uh, lived in Hong Kong for for a while and is a Mandarin speaker and is familiar with the machinations of the Chinese uh, government. Um, looked at some of these pictures and just said, this is like they're, they're trying to build cities that look just like some of these Chinese cities. Right? And and that was the headline. It was like, uh, the I can't remember what it was exactly. It was like, these cities are eerily like <laughs> Chinese. These African cities are eerily like uh, Chinese um, cities. And it was a huge story because, you know, she had found something in this exhibition and just really summed it up in that 
like headline because <laughs> you know, and, and, and also that's because it's playing to something that people already kind of suspect, you know, be the Americans or Africans or Europeans, whoever they are, people already suspect this. That oh, what are they doing there? They're giving them all this money, but what they do? They're trying to just a sort of new colonization or something. <laughs> it isn't. It's just you know, but that's just the way people think about it, right? Mm. So the, the story does it was, was was great, did really well, and I and I think that t- for me that's an example of finding the nuggets in stories and not just saying this is like there's an exhibition about to happen and it's interesting because <laughs> that because that doesn't attract me to I mean you know to read the story. Um, And you know, there are, I'm just trying to think. There are probably other examples I could I could think of. I thought really hard about it, but but that's that's an important trait. In fact, I kind of like to think that um, most of the reporters I work with regularly have that. You know, they can they see the story that other reporters aren't seeing. They're not just going for the obvious. Um, a story that did well for us. Um, for the same re- for similar reason was uh, one um, a reporter Yomi Kazim did in Lagos, which was about um, this mathematician who claimed he'd solved some hundred and fifty year old math problem, and BBC and CNN everybody just wrote this story up, and he was just like we just both looked, well we didn't look at each other because he's in Lagos and I was in New York, but we just <laughs> you, both you guys, slacked each other. We <laughs> <laughs> Um, like, really? That? Really? He's what university? I've never even heard of this university. <laughs> what university? <laughs> Why is the BBC writing this story? <laughs> you know, we're going back and forth on this thing. Like, you know, this is, like, interesting. So we, we should just, you know, dig into this, ask a couple of questions. And, um, you know, and it turned out it was made up. And then we, our story was how he fooled the... the the British press, <laughs> or the world's press, and that was a huge story. Just because, again, it was kind of looking for that thing and saying, "This isn't what it seems to be. Maybe we can find something <laughs> else out." Um, I have to say, um, if there's a if there's a kind of a, a comment or a concern about modern journalism that we, as editors, especially those of us who've been uh, around for a little while that we sometimes discuss or worry about is like the reporting, like getting people to report, getting people to pick up the phone or to um, just dig a little bit deeper and to ask the, the, the difficult questions. Like, this is such a great story. This guy solved this problem. Let's just, let's go, right? Let's get some hits, let's, you know. But it's not, it's not that, it's, it's, have you asked, do you, do you know? Does that even make sense? Um, it's kind of one of my one of the it's one of the reasons why I um, we talked about the types of journalists, and it's one of the reasons why I particularly in this particular role why I'm kind of I try my hardest where possible to find people who are from those cities or know those countries really well. They've been around for a little while and can just you know, sort of see obvious things. Because there's a tendency, particularly with this coverage area coming from the West, 
to just sort of cover this in a very superficial kind of way, cover Africa as, as a country, as a, you know, in a very superficial way. And at time, you know, and then you get these kind of silly stories where no one's even asked the obvious question, right? you know. And uh, that, that's an example of that, the math <laughs> professor that wasn't, uh, <laughs> is, an, is an example of, uh, of that kind of thing happening. That's, there's so much, uh, if you have people who know the city or know the country and know the way things work or don't work, they can find better stories um, and they can do some reporting and find out more. If you could redo the media industry entirely from scratch hmm. and establish a set of rules that could not be broken by people that were a part of it, besides that, besides asking those questions and yeah. getting more coverage coming from these places, from people that know these places, what hmm. else would you add to the list? Uh, that's such a long list. <laughs> um, I... I I'm, I've, I've not thought about this before in, in, a, in a list form. I, I know certain things um, concern me sometimes. Um, I do think we, we definitely, as an industry, and speaking as, if, as, a, as a, a British-born Nigerian journalist working in the United States, I tend to, clearly I, I will always have a more global view than the average person. That's, I accept that. Um, whichever country I'm in, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, I mean, it doesn't matter which country I'm in, I'm always gonna say, you do know that goes on elsewhere, right? But um, I, I do think for that reason, when I'm in a newsroom in particular, I do think the diversity of views is so important and that that's something definitely that um, doesn't happen enough in the kinds of places that like to position themselves as we can tell the world story and we know how the world works. Well, do you really, if you're only ever, when you have a very narrow group of people who are very similar, and and I and that similarity is is where it's not necessarily always about race and gender. It's just about just a viewpoint. It's just a, everyone's been to the same sort of schools, and everyone, you know, this profession is not actually a profession; it's a trade. You need to get people who actually who know the way the world works, right? So who can probably tell you stories without ever tell you great stories without ever having gone to said top journalism school, you know? Um, you need some of those people in, your, in, in the room as well, in the newsroom as well. And that's kind of something that I, I think about a lot more now. I think, I think, you know, well, you can actually get better stories and more viewpoints and tell, find out things that other people can't find out because you don't just have the same group of people who have a very similar background. So it becomes an internal echo chamber within the newsroom, <laughs> complaining about the echo chamber. <laughs> Outside of the newsroom. Outside. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, yeah. Right. On your Quartz profile, 
It says that you've reported from, from more than 10 countries across Europe, Africa, and the Americas. What do you gain from being on the ground and telling a story? And, you know, you spoke about it just having your person on the ground, but you mm. is, is someone that has written thousands upon millions of words by now. Like, what, mm. when, you're, when you're there, what type of story comes out from that, that firsthand experience? Um, it's, I, 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 what's interesting about, about that is I've been a business journalist for pretty much all my career. In fact, that's all I've been really, because I still am, I, even even though I we cover a lot of politics and stuff now uh, with um, quotes. Um, so I, I probably could have done a lot more reporting from those countries about the stuff I saw if I wasn't busy covering a business conference or something. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's the kind of irony of, about, about that. But um, huh. yeah. Because, so being observant. Yes, so you get to this because now, but what's interesting is how much you learn just by being in those countries. And I, the number of times I've said something to someone about the country and corrected some impression just because I've been there always surprises me. Like, oh, no, they, you know, blah, blah, blah. I had this conversation with this guy, you know, and it's always a cab driver. <laughs> it's always, you know, you, you know, you see that in reporting all the time when you read new, you know, internet, um, war correspondents and everybody. Everyone's just interviewing the same cab driver. He's all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you learn, you learn so much um, about a country by just by being there and talking to people or just hanging out and just watching people. Um, and really kind of influences the way you, I think it influences the way, you, even, if, even if you're not writing about that particular country as a country, like I, like I joked just now, I'm doing a business conference, I'm not necessarily writing about that country, I'm writing about the, I could be writing about the American executive who went to that country to speak or something. Yeah. You know. But, um, but it still has a huge influence on how you see the world and how you tell your stories going forward and not just at that particular point in time. So it's having more of those experiences in order to inform your reporting or the eye that you're bringing to a story. Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially at a place like Quartz because all those, all we, because we're kind of global, all different stories from different parts of the world come passing through um, when I'm not completely, not, when I'm not totally always focused on the African coverage, I have other duties and you see stories from all over the world and helps that you're not just um, a person who only knows a particular city or a particular country helps that you can have a worldview. Thanks for listening to the Know Your Audience podcast, episode four with Yinka Adigoke. Subscribe to Know Your Audience. Episodes release weekly, every Tuesday at 12 p.m. Eastern on iTunes. You can learn more about the podcast at getkaya.com slash podcast. Until next week, know your audience, grow your audience.